for all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's episode of Property on Fire. So what do we have coming up on today's episode? First of all, Sam has sent me a question following up last week's episode on setting goals. And your guest, he has asked me a question which, to be honest, I actually get on a very regular basis. And that is what happens after your planning application has been with the local authority for around about eight weeks. Oh, and as I'm not in the UK at the moment, I guess I better put on my blue sunglasses and do a little bit of travel geek as well. So without further ado, let's get started. But before we do, please do like, review and subscribe to this podcast and come with me on this property journey. Just before we dive into this episode of Property on Fire, or to wish you all a very happy new year, um, we finally made it to 2023, or I hope we have. <laughs> and the reason I say that is obviously I have to record these episodes a few days in advance. So currently uh, I'm actually in Naples on the west coast of Florida. Uh, We've been here a few days now, and fingers crossed when this episode goes out on Tuesday, um, we'll actually be somewhere in the Southern Caribbean. I'll actually be on a cruise for about a week, so really looking forward to that. But rest assured, these episodes will continue to be recorded, and yeah, I'll update you on what what I'm actually doing here as far as travelling goes as well. Um, So yeah, first of all, happy new year to one and all of you and the first question i actually had this this week came from sam and sam has rather followed up on last week's episode and her question to me is should i be having a vision board and it's as simple as that should you have a vision board and the simple answer to that sam is yes um One of the good ways, if you want to set goals, which I hope you do, is actually have something to aim for. Now, that can be a digitalized vision board. There's plenty of apps these days where you can actually create a vision board uh, online or in the cloud. But, you know, you can do it the old-fashioned way as well. Just just get a, a piece of board or a piece of paper even and just cut out some images, cut out some things that you would like to achieve in the years ahead. That might be a house, that might be a car. You know, I have a joke with one of my investors that I'm I'm helping him buy a yacht. So, you know, things like that, anything which you can aim for in your life ahead of you, just put on that vision board. You know, it can be something outrageous. It doesn't have to be something that, you know, you can go down to, um, you know, local sh- store or whatever or buy across on, on Amazon or any other online retailer and go and purchase necessarily. But these are things that you're aspiring towards. By having these visions, by having these desires that you want to get somewhere towards it, then yeah it's great and you can have a look at that on a daily basis you know perhaps if it's on the board perhaps stick some magnets on it and put it on the fridge or freezer you know just somewhere where it's in front of you perhaps above above your computer uh wherever your computer might be in the house put it on the wall just display it in plain sight just have it there um and just refer to it just look at it each day and think yes i can achieve these goals I can make it 
um, in whatever you're doing, whatever field you've chosen in life, you can make it. And so if you set those goals, if you set those visions, then yes, I think it's a very, very, very useful thing for you to have, Sam. So yeah, 100% follow up on those goals, um, you know, and I look forward to Please, please do let me know if you've set goals. Let me know um, and I'll be delighted to help you if I can or just guide you in any way that uh, that i know so yeah let's let's have those vision boards um and if you want to share those vision boards feel we're free you know just just send me a copy of them you're more than happy just keep them private i don't mind i really don't but just set a vision board and yeah that will help you towards your goals so thank you sam for that follow-up question from last week's episode Now, I did mention it at the top of this episode that uh, I'm currently in Florida. Um, We're actually in Naples at the moment on the west coast of Florida um, and flew in here just a few days ago. I must admit, at least the weather's now warmed up a little bit because when we actually arrived, it was a rather chilly nine degrees and actually colder than London was. So it has warmed up. We're now back to traditional fluidian weather i think sort of round round about the seven seven and t mark and above uh, which, which is very pleasant but for those of you who who don't know know me that well uh may not be aware that i actually run a brand called travel geek as well so i've got planning geek i've got leading homes that i run with my business partner jonathan and i also have travel geek and this is something that I have been bubbling under now for a few years and one one of these days I will really develop it out Um, and one of the reasons why I started Travel Geek was because there was an awful lot of people involved in property who like traveling and the one thing that I do not like doing is spending too much money on traveling so quite often we will start our flights for example from Oslo Sweden we've started from Dublin we've started from Norway Um, so we'll start from all over Europe to be honest Uh, more often not flying back then to Heathrow and then onwards and so the ticket actually begins quite often in Europe rather than in the UK and the reason we do this is because it saves an awful lot of money Um, the record that we've actually saved on a transatlantic flight it was once when we flew from well we could have flown from Heathrow to California but we started that that trip in Oslo and we flew out to Oslo had a night there then flew back to Heathrow and then flew first class from Heathrow to Los Angeles and as a result of that, we saved around about £6,500 per person on our first-class tickets. So we actually paid, obviously, less than first, less than business, uh, even less than premium economy and a bit more than economy uh, because just the way the tickets had been priced from Oslo. These sorts of tricks is something that we enjoy because we enjoy travelling well. Um, you know, a lot of the time, I mean, especially on this trip, for example, a lot of the hotels we're in we're we're just using points so these are points that we've built up on credit cards um and bits bits like that over the years 
and now we're spending those in the hotels. So, for example, in the hotel we're in at the moment, um, the nightly rate at the moment between Christmas and New Year is round about four to five hundred dollars per night. But we're we're paying absolutely nothing because we're actually doing it all on points. And with Hilton, uh, which is the chain we're staying in at the moment, the fifth night is actually free. So we pay for four nights in points, and we get the fifth night free. So. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good deal. We get breakfast included and a particular room we're in at the moment that's got a kit, full kitchen facilities, you know, microwave, oven, hob, dishwasher, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we've, we're very much self-catering for this week um, and we have breakfast down the stairs. And, you know, apart from your trip out to Publix or other supermarkets, then, you know, getting a few bits in for food, and a, and a bit of drink um after all it is christmas and new year uh, so you know we can actually relax and enjoy it and know know that we're not spending out an awful lot of money so travel geek is something that we enjoy doing we actually have a forum on uh, facebook uh, you're more than welcome to to join that and ask any tips at all um so whether that's to do with avios uh whether that's to buying cheap tickets more than happy to help you uh, because it's something that I've been doing for an awful long time uh, and a few of you may have picked up or may have actually watched a or listened to a, a podcast I did with Mark Homer uh, three or four years ago now but still an awful lot of that is very relevant to this day um, and we discussed on that podcast about various credit cards that we hold we hold an awful lot of credit cards I must admit um, but these are mainly for earning points they're earning av- avios they're earning companion vouchers um, so we can fly you know almost anywhere we want within this world um, and do it on points um, and earn good points it's you know it's a good way to actually travel um, as a result of our trip actually coming across here uh, to Florida um, we actually became gold again with BA which is very good because it opens up other doors for us with regards to um, getting Avios flights but the biggest advantage that we've taken part in this year is double tier points so a tier point is something with BA um, whereby you collect a certain num- number of tier points uh, normally it's 1500 to become gold uh, which, which allows you first class check-in first class lounges etc but this year the threshold's been at 11 to 5 um, and we've we've been able to achieve that mainly through to through the offer at the moment on double tier points um, and what that means is that if you go on a holiday of five nights or more and you have um, you know a car hire perhaps for five nights or a hotel for five nights um, and your return flights you'll actually get double tier points so for example we actually went to Malta um, about a couple of months or so ago for a week or for five nights in fact and because that is a little bit further away uh, we actually earned 320 tier points each um, on that particular flight uh, so it is something that is really is um, good um, and and benef- beneficial to us um, and we'll we'll look forward to reaping the benefits of being gold uh, for the next next year or so but I guess the whole ethos behind Travel Geek is to be able to fly well stay in good hotels and not spend 
I know I'm the leg doing it. I don't like spending money, if I'm honest, or don't like actually giving it to airlines if I can help it or hotels. So if I can stay cheaply on points um, or use Avios, then, then I will. Um, and if it allows me to fly first class, for example, or business class to far-flung places and not actually spend out too much money, then then I will do that. One of the other reasons for us starting abroad, by the way, is the fact that we're not paying airport departure tax within the UK. So so that rather extortionate fee that the government like likes to charge on departing flights, if we start abroad, then we are not paying those taxes to the UK government. So I apologise to the Chancellor um, if I'm avoiding those taxes, but there we go. Incidentally, you also don't pay them if you start in Jersey. So that is another point of point you can actually sort of fly from um, and you won't actually pay airport departure tax if you start in Jersey uh, but the important thing is you must start your flight in that location you can't skip the first flight so you know if you're starting in Jersey and go Jer- Jersey to Heathrow Heathrow to Miami for example uh, you can't skip the first leg you must start in Jersey or Oslo or wherever it might be because if you miss the first leg the ticket will get cancelled and you won't get your destination and you definitely won't get home again so without buying another ticket so you, you want to avoid that but it's another way to see parts of the world which you wouldn't necessarily see and we've we've done sev- several one night stays um in various locations across across Europe um and it just adds an extra dimension to the holiday as I said earlier, I do run a Facebook group, uh, which has got about three or 4,000 people in it, I believe. Um, and you're more than welcome to, to join that and ask any quest- questions about Avios, flights, hotels, anything you like. Um, so if you actually have a look on Facebook uh, for Travel Geek, uh, there are one or two similar groups around. Um, but I'm sure you'll find uh, the one that I actually run uh, here in the UK. So... Uh, just have a look on Travel Geek and I will actually put the link to that Facebook group in the show notes for today's episode. So just refer to the show notes if you'd like to join that group. Right, before we get to the question this week from Yogesh, um, I've got a little rant. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley and now Ian's rant. Right, my rant this week is rather apt as I'm recording this from my hotel room and that is hotel rooms or SA serve service accommodation and my rant here this week is the lack of planning and lack of thought that sometimes goes into these rooms now okay I'm sitting here in this room in Naples in Florida and yeah great we've got plenty of power sockets around which is easier i guess for americans um because the power is is only 110 volts and they seem to have power on lamps and bedside cabinets and goodness knows what else and so the sockets are there however quite often in the uk um and other part parts of the world sockets are lacking they are lacking in rooms they are dire um quite often you you get one or two sockets and they're not by the bed I mean, come on, come on, folks. How many people honestly do not charge their phone next to their bed? They don't want it halfway across the room. They don't want it, do they? They want it close to their bed. 
and so they're so damn important just put it just put a socket next to the bed not one side don't put it on the left hand side what about the right hand side you know these bedrooms are slept mostly in by two people don't put it on one side please have a socket on both sides of the bed it is so simple yet quite often hotels and bnb and service accommodation yeah i'm sorry if you run sa and you're probably thinking ooh, what do i have do i have one on both sides of the bed go and check for me just go and check make sure and if it isn't run an extension run something across there put a power socket there so that people can charge it now ideally yes we should have a usb on both sides of the bed as well that would make life great so just put it there just put at least a power socket on each side of the bed it is not rocket science and it doesn't cost an awful lot of money to actually do now talking to power sockets now my my wife is something that affects her um quite often and i know other women have exactly the same problem they go and they they have a shower to wash their hair and they want to then dry their hair they want to use the hair dryer fine if there's a hair dryer in the room great hope hopefully the power is good enough on it on the strength of it but they want to plug that hair dryer into a socket and guess what they want to look in a mirror now quite often the mirror and the sockets are nowhere close to one another the mirror might be at one end of the room sockets at the other that's a fat lot of good that is no good at all to someone that wants to dry their hair put the socket by the mirror or put the mirror where the socket is it's not rocket science and if you can't do that let's have a portable mirror or something like that <sighs> just do it just think about it you know i suppose one of my biggest gripes here is that quite often people that design rooms do not stay in the rooms or quite often hotel people who run these hotels do not kip in the rooms themselves because if they slept in these rooms they would soon discover the problems these rooms have and they're not difficult to fix they really are not so you know if you if you run a bnb if you run a run an sa go and stay in it go and stay in it as a guest would and think about that all those things don't just make it up all looking very nice in the photos i'm sure it looks wonderful you know it may look beautiful in an image but in reality does it work does that sa unit does that room actually work for the people who can stay in it now the other bugbear that i do have is size of beds okay now quite often you know people will have a double you know which to be quite frank is is tiny these days you know or they'll have a king size or a queen size great if you've got a king size if you fit a king size bed in have it but please tell us what size bed is in that room don't hide it you know if i look for a hotel description or an essay description or something like that i will want to look to see what size the bed is and if you just put a double bed in the description i won't stay i really will not book that i will not book that room at all because i'm looking for a king size bed or a queen size bed you know a little bit smaller but it's fine but a king size bed ideally is best for me and for others yet quite often believe it or not they do have a king size bed but they list it as a double what's that all about it's not a double a king size is a king size a queen is a queen a double is a double 
you know, which is less than two singles. I mean, that's for goodness sake, you know. Um, oh, it just gets, gets my goat. If you can't describe the rune properly, then pff, I don't know. It just just annoys me. It really does. It really, really, really frustrates me. Um, and I know I'm not alone. I mean, there was a thread today on Facebook um, that, that Sarah put, put up. Um, and if you're listening, Sarah, hi. Um, but again, you know, she raised the point about this mirror and the hair and all that. But it's something that irritates me on virtually every single trip. There will be something wrong in the room. Now, I'm not, a, look, I don't want, you know, I'm not expecting gold-plated this or gold-plated that or caviar this or caviar that. That's not important. I'm just looking for the basics. I'm looking for where I can plug in my computer, ideally by the desk, have some power there. That's great, you know. Um, I'm looking for a socket that I can plug my phone in at night so it will charge over overnight and if i need to get to it um you know and and check on my emails at three o'clock in the morning as invariably i do to my wife's annoyance at times when the light goes on but you know i just want it there i don't want to think oh i've got to get up i've got to get up walk across the room um you know and just grab the phone and whatever you know you know all right perhaps it should be by the i don't know i'm not going going into that but the point is just put those sockets by the bed, put the sockets by the mirror, and just think about how that room works. That's all I ask for. If you run SA, hotels, whatever, just think about us that use those facilities. So if this resonates with you, if this is something that annoys you, or if there's something else that bugs you, please let me know, and I'll have a rant about it. It might make a small difference to some of the thing that you may do in the future, but... Just get those descriptions. Just work on those descriptions. Just please, 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 just do it for me or do it for the, do it for your next customer because you may actually be losing business as a result. You probably lost mine. Sorry. The question this week comes from Yogesh and thank you, my friend, for your question. And it's a question which I'm asked on a very regular basis. I guess a question like this or derivation of it, I probably get at least once a week. And that is what actually happens after your eight weeks of a planning application. Can you actually appeal it at that point? And what happens with regards to the local authority if you do? So let me try and answer that question for you, Yogesh, in as simple terms as I can. But before I do, I need to differentiate between various forms of planning um, now if you are putting in the prior approval perhaps for a change of use that might be uh, class ma for example going from commercial to resi or class g uh, which is two flats above commercial um, these are 56 days or eight weeks and this is a period of time which is set in stone um, those 56 days they run con- consecutively um, so they miss out holidays and Easter's Christmas all that sort of stuff after that period then if the local authority has not made a decision you can then serve what is called deem consent um, and basically tell the local authority that well you're out of time tough luck and I'm going ahead with my 
development. This is written in legislation within the General Permitted Development Order and this allows you to do it after an eight week period because that is the maximum period that the local authority can have unless you agree to an extension of time. The problem is if you don't agree to that extension of time and perhaps they ask you on day 54 or something like that, um, then the council can actually just refuse it if they think that you're just going to go ahead and do the deem, deem consent. They will take that risk and say, ah, we'll, we'll just refuse it, allow you to go to an appeal, um, and that that is the risk that you have if you do not agree to an extension of time. Problem is, by agreeing to an extension of time, it then becomes a little bit open-ended, and that can actually sort of drag on for some considerable time if you're not careful and your planning consultant is not following up and chasing up with the local authority. Now that is on prior approval. With full planning, then there is no deemed consent, but the period of time for a standard application um, is eight weeks still. Um, but after this period of eight weeks, you, you have a choice and you can either then send it to the inspectorate for an, an appeal for non-determination or you can work with the local authority. Now, if you opt to send that to an appeal, you actually take that out of the hands of the local authority immediately. The moment you send that to an appeal, the local authority cannot make a decision yes they may well choose to refer it to a committee just to see what they would say etc 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 but they cannot make a decision because you have taken it out of their hands so if they were going to refuse it they can no longer refuse it and likewise if they were going to give approval unfortunately they cannot give an approval only the inspectorate at that point can actually give the approval for your planning now you do have a choice and this very much depends upon the relationship that your planning consultant has had with the local authority so within those eight weeks i'm hoping that a dialogue has been ongoing between your consultant and the local authority planning officer as to the chances of that planning application going through now you may well decide for example after those eight weeks to take that to a non-determination to take that to an appeal uh, with the planning inspectorate and see what his or her decision is on that now that does not stop you from then submitting a fresh application with the local authority for the same scheme or a modified scheme depending upon the um, discussions that your planning consultant may well have had and you could actually run those side by side there's nothing to stop you you can have more than one application for the same type of project on a site you are not limited in that regard so you know you, you do have a couple of choices here as to what you do but the important thing here you guess is that if you take it out of the local authority's hands by going to an appeal they cannot make a decision okay that is the critical part that you need to actually understand and realize if you cho choose to go down that line so what would i do well as i said earlier it very much depends upon the feedback i'm getting from the planning officer so 
make sure that dialogue is there and if you've not heard from your consultant your planning consultant as to what's going on chase him or her and say look what is going on let let me know what is the planning officer saying about my scheme because it is your planning on your property and it is your opportunity so you need to push them and they can then in turn push the planning officer depending upon that then i will then decide do i want to go for an appeal or not and if i feel that my application is fair and correct but i feel that the planning officer is going to make a wrong decision and probably give a refusal where i feel it is compliant it's compliant with local policy it is compliant with everything i've ticked all the boxes may uh, be my net biodiversity gain is is high um you know i've done all the various green credentials everything else i've complied with with the parking requirements stuff like this and i feel that it's just justified and fair and yet i still feel the planning officer is going to refuse then i may well send that to an appeal at that point and then i may go again with the local authority in a fresh application to run that in parallel I am never afraid to have more than one application at any one time. Uh, I've done it before and I will do it again, have multiple applications in at one time. I don't have to use them even if I get permission, uh, which may sound odd, but perhaps it's something that I will cover in the future episode because it's not really relevant to this question. Um, But I hope that does explain as to your choices at this point. So this is for full planning this is not for prior approval because that is deemed consent so for full planning you either send it to the planning inspectorate that takes out the hand of local authority or you work with the local authority and go for an extension of period of time and just work with them you can still go to the inspectorate in the future um, but if you think they're going to be on your side yeah work with the local authority hopefully fingers crossed you'll you'll get your permission um and you can then crack on with your opportunity so i hope that answers a question which in various derivations comes up on a very regular basis uh for me at planning geek um as to what happens after those eight weeks so i hope that answers your question yogish and if it doesn't or you need further clarification please do come back to me message me whatsapp me however you like to do i'm more than happy to help And if you've got a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode of of Property on Fire, then please send me an email, ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. Or if you know my number, you can WhatsApp me or email me or whatever. But just make sure you mark that Property on Fire and I will answer your question on a future episode. So a big thank you to Sam for her question about vision boards and to Yogesh on what happens after eight weeks on a planning application and if i can help you in your property journey then please do get in touch i'm only too happy to do that next week i should be recording this from a cruise ship um, which will be somewhere in the uh, southern caribbean so thank you once again welcome to 2023 and if i can help you on your property journey then please do get in touch have a wonderful week 
Bye-bye. Property on Fire with Ian Wormsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. 